0: welcome to the freelance indexer exchange i'm michelle giuliano and i'd like to start a conversation with you about indexing i sometimes find the business of freelancing lonely and isolating how about you do you ever wonder whether it has to be this way so let's talk about the hard stuff because we can do better together Hello, everyone. I'm back today with a regular freelance indexer exchange episode, and I'm going to continue to talk about index edits. Like I mentioned before, an index editor relationship might be just what you need to take your business to the next level or to expand your business. You might want to feel collaboration or colleague interactions. You might want insight on how to improve your indexes. Or you might want to increase the number of projects that you do, but don't want to outsource or subcontract the actual indexing. In these cases, the index edit might be the answer for you. In episode 19, I introduced the concept of index edits, and I shared my experience doing index edits with my mentor, with a science editor who did not have an indexing background, and with my current index editor, Lori Lavadi. I'd like to give a huge thanks to her right now because she helped me prepare my index edit presentation that I gave at the 2023 ASI conference. So you can think of this as a team production, even if you're only listening to me. In that episode, I talked about the different types of index edits. Oftentimes, an index edit is a mix of both proofreading and editing. I'm going to put a link in the show notes to that episode in case you want to revisit any of this information. One of the comments from the exchange box after that episode was from a listener who had really nice things to say about the podcast. Thank you very much. But they also explained that they are more of a visual than auditory learner. They asked whether I would offer this material in a written format. My answer is yes, I can do that, and I'm working on it right now. So stay tuned. Also, I want listeners to know that I'm not being rude or cryptic by not mentioning this person's name. It was an anonymous comment, which you can do in the exchange box, or you can leave your name and email and then request not to have your name mentioned in the show. If you do want your name mentioned, by all means, let me know. I'm happy to introduce you to my listeners. It's up to you. So let's get on with this episode. Today, we're going to dive right into the pros and cons of the index edit. You might be wondering, how do I know if this process is for me? How am I going to pay for it? It's helpful to assess the cost and benefits. We're going to start with the downsides so we can end on a high note. The first one is obvious. How much will this cost me and will it pay for itself? Yes, that's a big nut to crack. This means you might not make as much as you, as much money as you want on this particular project. But think of this as an investment, an investment in your education as an indexer, or even possibly an investment in a new client who will give you more work. You want to put your best foot forward in this case. I have a client who is a big publisher and came to me several years ago with one project. The following year, it was two projects. And it kept increasing from there. Right now, they're about 25% of my indexing load. And I'm grateful that they've grown with me as I've wanted to increase the amount of time I spend on my business now that my kids are in college and no longer being homeschooled. It's these kind of relationships that start small and grow. And when you give them the best work possible, the sky really is the limit. Doing an index evaluation with feedback is the most expensive way to do an index edit because not only are you hiring an expert, but they're doing a really deep dive into your work, which is time consuming. And you might do several rounds of feedback. You might make the changes, have them look at it, especially if you're dealing with a thorny problem or a particular issue you're having with your own indexing. And this kind of work isn't just for newbies. Like I said, if you have a particular problem that you've been dealing with, but you're not sure how you can progress, an index evaluation with feedback would be very helpful. People often do this when submitting index for awards as well. So there's a bunch of reasons why you might do an index edit with evaluation. And yes, those can be expensive, but look at it as an investment in your career. It's an investment in yourself. Remember, you will need to weigh the cost versus the benefits. And that's what we're doing here. And one way to do that is to track whether your hourly rate goes up, down, or stays the same after adding in the cost of the index edit. You also need to assess whether your hourly rate has wiggle room, because this process is an evolution, and you and your partner do not necessarily strike the right note with the first edit or two. In other words, you may have a dip in your hourly rate before you see it steady out or go up. In my case, I spend too much time on the edit, and having someone else objectively look at the edit really helps streamline my editing process. So the cost of it really does balance out. Even if your hourly rate does go down a bit, but you all of a sudden feel the freedom to, you feel the freedom from a task that you didn't enjoy, me with the index edit, or maybe it made you feel anxious, then you can consider this a win even if it costs you a little bit of money. If it opens up some space for you to do more creative work or approach your work with a happy attitude, then that can be worth it too. So remember, this isn't just about the bottom line, and the num- it's not just a numbers game. Evaluate how this changes your outlook. Another downside is time. Time is a factor. You need to create time. You need to create space around the project to work the index edit in. You might need to really look at your own work schedule to figure out how to fit it in. If you start with the proofreading service, then because those can be turned around a lot quicker, they might be easier for you to squeeze in to see how your workflow can change. However, I found that I started to shift my schedule backwards and make time for the cushion. And this is really workable if you stop, take a deep breath, and analyze why it's so hard to fit in all your projects. Is it how you schedule them? Is it how you schedule your work? You will find a way if you think the index edit is valuable. And this, while it's a downside, might actually be a positive, a pro to the index edit, because you might find a new way to work and schedule your work that gives you more breathing room. Now we're going to look at time again. You also need time, and this is another downside, to rework the index after you get the edit back. So you need to budget in more time. Obviously, a proofread is quite easy to add in, as long as there weren't too many errors, because you're just going through the comments and making the slight changes. If it's an edit, you probably were going to need more time, especially if you want to add in a final proofread afterward. You can accomplish a hybrid proofread edit in one swoop, and that is often what Lori and I shoot for. Now it's time to sum up the downsides. An index edit requires an upfront investment. And that upfront investment is both time and money. It costs more initially because you're working out the kinks in your system and in your relationship. Over time, the editor gets to know your work and where to dive in deeper. You, as the indexer, learn to express your needs more succinctly, and each of you develops a system for conveying the information back and forth. It's an evolution, and the time factor might decrease over time. Now, I'm just going to put in a little plug here, and we're going to talk more about the index relationship later. As your index editor gets better, you might want to think about maybe a price increase to accommodate the fact that they can do the same amount of work in less time. Let me finish the downsides with, this is truly an upfront investment, and let's go on to the upsides so you can see if these costs, both in times and dollars, make this process attractive to you. Now I'm going to say some of the downsides contribute to the upsides of the index edit process. How cool is that? We're going to go back to time. Indexing schedules, once you develop a process for this, will now have a cushion built into them. Okay, so this points out that one of the downsides of working in the index edit into your schedule is also an upside. You now have more time. And also, in thinking about time, you also now have forced distance from the index. Sending the index off to the editor gives you some distance from the index as well. Not only will you have another set of eyes on your work, you will also have fresh eyes on your work when it comes back to you. So this is valuable. It's amazing the kind of clarity that can come through after having a bit of distance and looking at your index anew and through your editor's eyes. So you have two different viewpoints. For me, I think it's priceless. Some of you may already have a cushion like this, already worked into your schedule, so you can look at it with fresh eyes. And that might make this transition easier for you. Now we're gonna take another look at costs. Remember that was a downside. Now we're gonna look at it from the upside. You might take the time to reconsider the rates you charge so that you can afford this kind of investment in your business, because again, that's what it is. It's an investment and it might give you the push you need to raise your rates. Let's think about it another way. An index edit is like offering an additional service Because while you benefit from this, this is also a great bonus service offered to your clients without them even realizing it's going on. So if you don't feel like you can justify raising your rates just because it's a new year, you might feel that you can justify your rates because you're offering additional service. And also remember that when you save time, your calculated hourly rate might increase. So it might balance out the cost of the index edit. If you raise your rates, you might break even or even come out ahead. So factor that in, too. Also, remember, you can deduct index edit fees at tax time. Now let's talk about something different. I'm going to talk about efficiency. Efficiency, which can give you the option to expand your business or have more downtime. This is a huge upside for me. I was able, I've been able to take on more work without increasing my hours much. And to me, this kind of outsourcing is a win-win. I'm getting help without losing control of the product. But an index edit might be an option if you want to expand, but not turn your work over to someone else and then need to do quality control. You won't necessarily make the kind of money you would if you did do some subcontracting, but you might get some breathing room you want without having to take a hit to your income. This is the situation I found myself in, and it worked out well for me. So get creative with this. Now let's talk about another huge upside, quality. An upside to using an index edit is that you have the reader's perspective addressed by having someone else look at the index. And this is a huge benefit. Remember we talked about you're offering an additional service, maybe you should raise your rates, and that's how you can make up for some of the costs? Well, this additional service is having the reader's perspective built in. No matter how hard we try, we will never truly have the reader's perspective any more than the author will if they're considering indexing their own work. We come into the index with the reader in mind. Of course we do. That's part of our job but those lines become blurred when we take on the role of editing our own indexes. An index edit allows someone who has no familiarity with the book to come on board and look at that book and the index. They are literally the potential buyer who plucks the book off the shelf of the bookstore and thumbs through the contents and the index. If the index editor is doing a substantive edit of the index, They will view the index in this manner and see if you provided the book with a helpful and comprehensive index. An additional facet of quality is that you're going to have another set of eyes on your index that will find the mistakes you might have overlooked. Those are those mistakes that jump out at you when you look at this index weeks or months later. Let's say when you're looking at the index because you're preparing an index on a subject of a similar topic, or when you've been asked to revise the index for a new edition. You know those mistakes. They're cringeworthy, and they seem so obvious now. But honestly, this is another reason why I want an index partner. If you've never had one of those mistakes, and you've looked at every index you've ever created, then you really don't need to do an index edit on your own work. But you have a tremendous talent that you should offer as a service for the rest of us. Okay, now let's take a step back to efficiency and merge it with quality. Quality and efficiency can be merged together because with the index edit relationship, you have the opportunity to ask questions with your colleague, with your partner. And this is the one I absolutely love. I can send Lori an email when I'm indexing asking a question about a specific thorny problem while I'm still indexing. These questions are also asked when I send the index in for an edit. I don't have all the answers. I don't always have the right perspective. Two heads are always better than one in my book and in my indexes. And are you ready for the next benefit that trumps all of these? The one that sums up why I searched for the right partner for the index edit in the first place? peace of mind. Do I need to say more? Okay, I will. Peace of mind is huge for me. No index is perfect. If you've taken the time to read some articles or books about editing indexes, you're going to often hear the refrain, you won't find every mistake. Sometimes you need just to stop reworking the index. Hit that submit button. This is where my editing time gets tangled up and I'd work until it was time to submit the index. Not a very efficient way to work. Didn't work well with my schedule and lowered my hourly rate. And this is what I sought when I contacted Lori. Peace of mind. Just last, just a few weeks ago, I had a short little index that I had Lori proofread. I was tired, and I had turned in three indexes the week before, and this was a straggler and it needed to be ready to send in on Monday. I just wanted to hit the submit button with the delayed send feature so it would arrive my editor's inbox first thing in the morning. When I'm tired, though, it's easy to doubt myself, and I could have easily gotten into my old habit of running the index a few times and keep making extra tweaks or despairing about missing that cringe-worthy mistake. But together, Lori and I completed the index edit. I felt confident in her review, and everything she had checked off was complete. I had fresh eyes when I reviewed the index as I made the changes. So this index was sufficiently edited. I scheduled the email to send out for Monday morning, for a Monday morning arrival in my project manager's inbox, and I can say I felt totally comfortable turning that index in, even though I was tired, and that is what I was searching for. Peace of mind. Priceless. Okay, that's enough information to absorb in this episode. The pros and cons of the index edit. Do you want to hear how Lori and I do an index edit and how we developed our relationship? Or how to develop an index edit relationship with another indexer? That's coming up on a future episode. Also, if you have any specific questions about the information that I covered in this episode or previous episodes, I'm happy to answer them. Just drop your comment or question in the exchange box. The link is in the show notes. Okay, now it's time for the See Also segment. This is where I point you to information related to the episode. Today I'm going to talk to you about something that's on my desk that makes my work life easier and keeps me on schedule. It's an old school desktop calendar that stands on its own, like it has an easel. It's not very big, just seven by five and a half inches, or for those of you who are outside the US, that's 17 and a half centimeters by 14 centimeters. Obviously, you can't fit much on it since it is small. But an abbreviated index project name will definitely work in one of the little squares. It's printed in Japan on lovely cream-colored paper, and it costs under $20. Midori is the brand that makes it, but there are other ones like this. This just happens to be the one that I use. I like it because there are yearly pages for 2024 and 2025 that have the whole year out on one page, and it just makes it so easy to look at that to plan ahead. The monthly pages start in October of 2023, so it's fantastic if you're getting it for the first time, you can start using it right away before the new year. I like this particular one, and this is why I'm actually giving you the name of it, because it has faint lines on each day, so it's really easy to write neatly. And did I mention that the paper is absolutely lovely? Now, remember, it's not big, so I don't advise writing your whole life schedule on it. I use it just for due dates and vacation days. That's it, nothing else. But I love that I can see the entire month at a glance. And every time I get a new index schedule, I put it on there even if it's for future months. I do have an Excel calendar that has all my important dates and appointments, arrival days for index projects, due dates, appointments, my interview schedule. All of these things are delightfully cover-coded on that Excel sheet and there's even more information that I keep track of on that. But my desk calendar is small and sparse, and if there's something written on a day, I know it's either a vacation day or a due date, so a simple glance tells me all I need to know. There's even space below the actual monthly part of the calendar for a checklist of important things that's due during that month. But I've been leaving those spaces blank because I like the clean, crisp, clear, sparse look of the calendar. But you can choose to put your monthly projected income from the projects on those things. And on the back page, you also have a monthly view, but it's set up differently. There are seven horizontal spaces that run the width of the calendar, and it has the days of the month 1 through 30 or 31, depending on depending on the month. And of course, February is different. Across the top. So you can write the name of your index projects in the line space and then put an X on the date that it's due. Or you can just ignore that, the top 1 through 31, and just use the lines to write extra information about the project, such as who it's for, their email address. Sometimes spouses like this kind of information. And I'm going to raise my hand and say, my spouse does. So if anything happens to me, he knows what projects I have and who to contact. And it's so easy. He doesn't have to get on on the computer. He could send someone else to the house to do this. And I'd like to say that, oh, my goodness, this would never happen. Well, I've been to the hospital once for an emergency appendectomy, and I didn't come home for four days. This was before I started my indexing career. But that would make a huge dent in my that would that make a huge shift in my schedule. Um, so things like that, it's very useful for. Or you can use that back sheet for something else, like names or travel plans or anything like that. And, okay, so now I just spoke to you about how much I like this calendar because it's sparse, neat, and clean. And I know what you're thinking. What about when schedules slip? When things change, your schedule changes. The index that you thought was going to be due at the end of October is now going to be due next year. That's going to make your schedule look really messy. Ah, uh, but Midori makes this whiteout tape that actually matches their cream paper, and you can write over it really nicely. So I use that. I cover up the schedule change, and you can't—you can't even see it. There are no crossouts on my calendar, and I love that. At the back, it has 104 pages of grid paper. I don't know how they came up with that number, but there's 104 pages of grid paper. Again, beautiful Japanese paper. And there's four to-do lists, so I use the grid paper to make notes of travel plans or some ideas that come up for my business, and it's all kept in one place. This little item is so non-technical and old school, but an incredibly valuable addition to my desk. I no longer have to open an app to see my schedule. I can see everything by just glancing over. I know the date and my due dates. I can see everything by just glancing over. And now I only have to open my Excel calendar when I need to add a project or an appointment to my master calendar or to plan for my next day's workload or that week's workload. It's kind of strange that such a little thing can be such an oasis of peace In in my sometimes chaotic life as a freelancer, but I'll take it. It's under twenty dollars, and it lasts me the entire year, so I think it's worth it. I'm going to put a link in the show notes in case you're curious about what it looks like. And as always, these are unaffiliated links. I'm just passing information on on something that I feel is useful. Do you have a non-tech item like this that makes your life easier or better? Would you mind sharing it with me? I'd love to hear about it. Let me know in the exchange box. The link is in the show notes. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Freelance Indexer Exchange. Until next Monday, be well and do well, and happy indexing.